On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we have another special guest on for the second day in a row to help me break down these Denver Broncos. Joe Crisali hops on the pod, and I think we may have made a breakthrough in this Denver Bronco backfield. A really awesome moment or a coming to light on what to do with Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon. We also discuss the major potential of this wide receiver core. Which wide receiver should you target? Because they're all going in the same round. And finally, the quarterback situation is looking grim. But even if we don't own any of these quarterbacks, which quarterback do we need to start to make the rest of the team flourish? All these questions are answered and much, much more. And it's happening right now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Friday, July 30th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. On today's episode, there's only one team left to cover in the AFC, and we're bringing in the big guns to help me break down the Denver Broncos. Oh, but baby. First, but first... If you missed any of the other AFC West teams we covered this week with the Chargers, Chiefs, or Raiders, be sure to go back and check those out. We love Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. Maybe take a gamble on Mike Williams. He could be a sneaky play. Don't overpay for the Chiefs trifecta, but buy the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire dip. And we also cover many reasons on why we think Darren Waller will be this year's number one overall tight end. All of that alone was covered in just this week's episode, so go back and check those out if you missed it. I have another special guest on the pod today for a second day in a row. He is a former colleague of mine from the NFL Network, so you better believe he knows his NFL football, especially these Broncos, as a Connecticut native. He'll have to explain that one. He's the creative director of a little neat company called Wayback Digital and someone I share a pretty serious keeper league with. He is none other than Joe Crisali. Joe, how are we doing today? I'm good, dude. <laughs> Happy to be on here with you. Yeah. I wouldn't say necessarily big guns. I mean, thanks for the intro. It's kind of <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, you know, me and you going back, you know, all those years we worked at NFL, um, you know, when we talk about fantasy football, we usually are on the, on the same page with everything. Um, and I have Seems a, to be that way. Yeah, and I have a feeling the more we talk about the Broncos, the deeper we get into it here, I have a feeling we'll probably see eye to eye. But I'm curious if we won't because, you know, you obviously have a little more depth, a little more knowledge with the team. Um, but, yeah, let's see where it goes. Also, how's the weather up there in Seattle? I heard it was like 110 or something like that. Dude, we had, we had a weekend, man. It was like, I think it was towards the end of June, maybe beginning of July, where it was like 112. We don't have AC either, so we were just baking in here. We had the windows like slightly open, maybe try to get some breeze, but eventually we shut them and then just closed the blinds. And our windows are east facing, so the sun was like right up beating on us all day. We had to bring the pets down into like the basement. They were just laying on the tile because our building is air conditioned, but not our uh, our spot. But it was a rough weekend. It was nice, like literally the, the morning after it ended, it was like 68 degrees or something. And I just stood outside and was just like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. 
But yeah, everybody thinks heard. it rains here all the time. It's been a nice summer. It's sunny. It's great. Hey, when I came up to visit, it, 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 uh, I think it rained one day, but it wasn't even a rain. It was like a mist. And the other day, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was beautiful. So, it's, it's interesting listening to people when they come up here. They're like, does it really rain here every day? And I'm like, I just literally am like, look outside. <laughs> like, it's sunny. It's, I, it, I, I love it rains city. more like back home in Connecticut than it does here. Total like rainfall. I mean, obviously, like our winters are gray and a little rainy, but yeah. it's chill. That's kind I have of, a good time. You here. know what it is in New Jersey as well. Now that I'm back on the East Coast, unfortunately. Um, but all right, let's get into these Broncos. After four luscious seasons under Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning, the Broncos finally did it and accomplished their goal by winning their third Super Bowl title. But since the great sheriff turned over his gun and badge, the team has struggled mightily, and I don't use that word lightly, they have struggled mightily to, re- to find his replacement. The search for the franchise quarterback has been a long and tedious road with guys like Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton mm. Lynch, Case <laughs> oh, Keenum, man. Joe Flacco, Ooh. I know, this is hard for you, and Brandon <laughs> Allen. This <just> hurts. <laughs> before, oh, this just hurts, dude. Before where we're landing right now in today's world with Drew Locke. So Elway selected the quarterback out of Missouri in the second round of the 2019 draft. And there actually seemed to be a little bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel there with him for a minute. The players were buying into him. You know, he closed out that 2019 season with the 4-1 and record. Had a uh, 61 point, or 64.1 completion percentage with seven touchdowns and three interceptions during that span. So heading into the 2020 season, there was plenty of optimism. So let's start there. Last season did not go as planned or as the organi- or as the organization would have liked. Locke's completion percentage dropped to 57.3 as he threw for 15 touchdowns, but a whopping increase in his interceptions with 16. So just, you know, right off the bat here, what are, what are our thoughts about Drew Locke here? It's tough because as a fan, you want to see the guy that they draft to succeed, especially after all the quarterbacks you just ran through. Like, I feel like the Broncos before Peyton Manning hadn't really, I mean, getting rid of Jay Cutler for Kyle Orton was pretty, uh, pretty rough there too. After that, I really haven't appreciated a Broncos quarterback since like Jake Plummer. So I, if, if Drew Locke could be something like Jake Plummer, yeah, that would be awesome. But obviously we have to have optimism with Drew Locke. Um, the team is standing by him. I don't know how much they're standing by him with bringing in somebody like Teddy Bridgewater, because Mm -hmm. those two quarterbacks are very similar to me. But like you went, like you went and talked about, Drew Locke's completion percentage near the bottom of the league. He was near the bottom of the league in almost every category last year. So it's it's tough. He also ranked 31st in uncatchable passes and first in interceptions. And it just seems to me that like he's always trying to do more. Like he's trying to make he's trying to make the big play instead of like properly, you know, going through his progressions and, and whatnot. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing with Drew Locke. That's why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke, uh, he really was trying to target everybody downfield the most. He was only second behind Tom Brady in intended air yards with 9.1, but he was dead last, dead last in terms of on-target percentage on those throws with 68.9%. So he's going deep, but he's not connecting with anybody. The difference there between him and Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater was fourth in the NFL last year in deep balls. So he throws the deep balls, but he connects on them. Yeah. 
He's he had a rating of 145.8 on deep balls, Teddy B. So that's kind of oh, something that the Broncos were looking at. They're they're trying to get Drew Locke to throw the ball down the field. He is, but he's not doing it accurately. So that kind of trickles down to those receivers that they got out there. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I've seen all the videos on social media of the receivers that have been wide open, like Jerry Judy. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, that you know he, they beat their man coverage or their or the zone coverage or whatever it is, and just Locke is just sailing it right over the head. Like it's it's really bad. And B, it sounds like you are very optimistic about Teddy Bridgewater, which I do want to get to in a second. But I wanted to say the funny part about all of this is Elway for years has tried to find that next franchise quarterback and has like consistently come up short. But the year yeah. the year he relinquishes his GM power and they bring in George Patton to be the new GM, he comes over from Minnesota Vikings, um, was the year that I think they needed Elway to go out and get that quarterback because they passed on Ohio State's quarterback, uh, Justin Fields. And, you know, I was waiting for this about, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks. Like I get the the Dwayne Haskins, Cordell Cordell Jones, uh, JT Barrett, all those guys, you know, they never, ever panned out. But to me, in my opinion, I think Fields is different. Like he's a true competitor. He plays like a warrior. I think he has that passion. He's got that fire to be a winner. And I just think that was the quarterback you were in the prime position to go get it, and you went and got a corner, which, you know, in playing in the AFC West when you have to go against the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year, you know, I don't think that's a bad pick. I just think that that was, if any other time during Elway's time there, that was the time to go get the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you say that, but they got Fangio. He's a defensive-minded head coach. The year that the Broncos won everything, Peyton Manning basically had a cane going through. Their offense was atrocious, but the defense is what won them everything, and the Broncos offseason additions, I mean, they got Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller. They re-signed Justin Simmons. I mean, they're going to get Von Miller back. Right, but their isn't defense, that more reason in the to secondary, and get a quarterback? If you if you spent your whole free agency on the defense and even the draft, you know, like why, why, why would you not invest in possibly a top prospect quarterback? I think the way that they looked at it is they want depth. On defense, like you said, they're going up against Mahomes. They're going up against Herbert now with the Chargers having that amazing attack. They need a lot of good defenders that can be out there and and cover those receivers. I mean, Tyreek Hill is going to be impossible. Him and Kelsey alone on the Chiefs is is a tough task. And like you said, Darren Waller could be the number one fantasy tight end this year. Mm -hmm. So they got to match somebody up against him. They got to rush the quarterback. There's a lot of stuff that they got to do there on the defense. I didn't hate the Sertan pick. Obviously, when with Justin Fields there, you got to think. Maybe they talked about it a little bit, but the fact that they went out and got Teddy Bridgewater, brought him in with uh, Drew Locke kind of to maybe push him a little bit more. That's the thing is if my view on it is if Drew Locke can't beat out Teddy Bridgewater, then he's obviously not the quarterback of the future. And when you look at their numbers, they're extremely comparable. And Teddy Bridgewater honestly has better numbers and is more consistent than Drew Locke. Now Drew Locke's only in what his third, fourth year or whatever in the league. Mm So he still has some time and he's got good weapons out there it's just how it all comes together I mean they like you said Elway's finally out of there and maybe that'll re- relieve some of the pressure because playing in Elway's shadow can't be super easy for anybody that steps in there especially with all the turnover they've had at the position yeah but how long has it been now it's like Elway's shadow is like long gone at this point now we're playing in this it's not even <laughs> you know yeah I mean like I get uh, we're but, looking like, for as the a, next best quarterback but you know Peyton Manning came in there I would you know it's probably more Peyton Manning's shadow at this point, but yeah, I, I, I totally yeah. get what you're saying. Um, but the team obviously doesn't have that much faith in Drew Locke because they did 
trade a sixth round pick to to get Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I agree with you. I think he is way more efficient, way more accurate, even though he only threw 15 touchdowns and 11 interceptions as the starter for the Panthers last year. Um, but yep. he is a lot safer, and I think that might be more important, especially if you're playing with a strong defense. You can't be turning the ball over. So even though he threw those 11 interceptions last year, throughout Teddy's career, he's usually played it safe. He's very conservative, and he's just I just think he provides a safer quarterback option for the Broncos. And I'm kind of hoping, honestly, that they use Teddy Bridgewater because I think that's going to unlock more potential with this receiving core, who I think has a ton Ex- of pers- potential. Exactly. Like what you're getting at. From a fantasy perspective, you want the Broncos to start Teddy Bridgewater. For other positions, he, though. Not as – like you won't, you don't want Bridgewater or even Drew Locke as your QB1 in any format, right? No. Not, you're, not, you're not taking Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater and stuffing them in your lineup right. at any, in any scenario <laughs> right. at, whatsoever. And if you you're are, kind of been staying if away. you are, please come play in my league because I would yeah. gladly, <laughs> gladly love for somebody like that to come. I mean, the two of them together, uh, Drew Locke only had two games where he threw for 300 yards or more. And they were both shootouts, 34, 31, 30-plus 30 games where he had to throw. And the Broncos were trailing from, you know, trying to come back at the end. Same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. And one of those games for Drew Locke was against Teddy Bridgewater when they beat the Panthers. Look at that year. nugget. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but that's the thing. Teddy Bridgewater, he was able to su- sustain a decent offensive attack. He had two thousand yard receivers in dj moore and robbie anderson true both almost 100 catches dj moore almost had 120 catches robbie anderson had 95 difference between that and the broncos attack they spread the ball out a little bit more i mean Cortland sutton was out but it'll be interesting to see how he comes back this year um tim patrick is a guy that i really like zero drops last year 51 grabs 700 plus yards six tds he was very consistent for them when they needed him mm-hmm. after sutton went down Jerry Judy, like you said, amazing route runner. I would expect him to have a little bit better of a season than he had mm-hmm. last year. I mean, he had a great rookie year, 800 yards, three TDs. Obviously, you want to see the TD numbers up there a little bit more. And then you look at guys like K.J. Hamler, kind of a slot guy. I kind of view him when they drafted him. I view him very similarly to when they had Eddie Royal. Not a really, you know, top fantasy guy that you're going to be looking at at all. Forgot Not anybody about that Eddie really going to be like... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he's kind of comes off as like a guy who could be a forgettable player. And then you have Noah Fant, tight end, great year last year. But the difference there is he had 93 targets and only had 62 grabs. So you look at uh, Drew Locke's completion percentage, you switch that over to Teddy Bridgewater, you're looking at Noah Fant having possibly 70, 80 grabs right. on, on a more higher powered offense for you know, what, what's going on there. But I'm really interested to see what happens with uh, Cortland Sutton this year. It was well, suck to on, see him go on, down. Hold against... one, just hold on one second here because I, I, I feel like we're, we're blazing through all this. And on here, we kind of got to go through each of these guys just a little bit because we're on this podcast, what we're trying to do is figure out if that ADP, that average draft position, is either overvalued or undervalued. So just to hit real quick again back on the quarterback, we're not drafting – Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke to be our quarterback or even our backup quarterbacks for that matter. What we what yeah, we want <laughs> is we want Teddy Bridgewater to start because if Teddy Bridgewater starts, it's really going to affect where these wide receivers are going in the draft because as of now, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are basically late sixth round picks all the way through the seventh round pretty much. I think, yeah, Jerry Judy's a late seventh round pick and Cortland Sutton's coming off the board as a late sixth or early seventh round pick. So 
What I'm saying is that's if, high. If that's high, right? I, I but think if, that's high if, for either of those guys. But if Drew Locke starts, like you're saying, that's high. Now I feel like you know I'm not as comfortable with one of these guys as if Teddy Bridgewater starts. Now I feel like I might be getting somewhat of a steal. But let's start with Jerry Judy. Let's just start there. Late seventh round pick because he's the guy. He's the prized asset that they acquired in the 2020 draft with their first round pick last year. You know, people will say he didn't live up to his expectations, but I I think that's an unfair statement. Something that's not really fair to say right now because again, with Locke being the worst with the with the worst rate of uncatchable passes, and in my opinion, what Judy did last year, I think you hit on this just a second ago. He had 52 catches, 856, uh, you know, receiving yards, and which is just—it's not really that far off from a thousand, a thousand yard marker, and three touchdowns. Considering the situation he was in, I think that's kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean, he was catching passes from who? Brett Rippin at one point. That he mossed a guy. Right. So he he mossed a guy last year when they played the Jets. So I'm I'm still picking. Jerry Judy, if you can get him in the seventh or eighth round, I mean that's that's pretty solid. Eight fifty six as maybe a flex or a backup receiver or even a second receiver if you have to, because you don't know what's going to happen with Cortland Sutton this year. Right. He they even there was even a report. Fangio said he thinks he's being a little tentative when he when he's playing out there with with pads on. So it's going to take a little bit. I mean, I broke my ankle climbing, so it's the same kind of deal. When you go back into stuff. You're not going to be 100% running back through everything. You got to kind of go back through the motions. So and it's on Sutton your mind have too. A, probably a slow start. It's on your mind a little bit. So Sutton might have a, a slow start, which will open up more opportunity for Jerry Judy. So I think that seventh round, eighth round for him, not too, not too shabby. And it honestly, it doesn't really matter who's starting at that point. If it's Locker, Teddy Bridgewater, with Judy out there, if he's the main go-to guy, mm-hmm. and they're able to create a little bit more separation that way, I think, I think that's a good spot for him. I. I wouldn't. I had him on my team last year, and it was pretty frustrating at some points. He was on the waiver wire a little bit here and there, but um, as a backup or a flex player, solid. But like you just said, like you were frustrated, and I feel like anybody that owned him last year is writing him writing him off for this year. And I feel like people don't remember. Like he comes from Alabama. He's not like one of these shorter speed guys either, like Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle. Like he's six foot one. 195 pounds, has the size to be a wide receiver one on the team. So, and you know, in Alabama, he, he, what, uh, let me see here. He got 2,500 receiving yards, about 2,500 receiving yards and 24 touchdowns during his last two seasons with the Crimson Tide. Like, he is pretty much an elite guy that just hasn't really gotten the, the proper opportunity to shine yet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but then you, you give him a quarterback that can actually complete a ball to him and not throw it over his head. The, you know, it's limitless what he can accomplish, especially, like I said, if he's the number one dude out there. So Jerry Judy, seventh round, take him. Yeah, so I think we're in, I think we're in an agreement there. I think as a late seventh round pick, I think there is some value to be had there, especially with the opportunity and the potential he poses. Um, so that's, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad we agree. It's not surprising to me at all. it's usually what happens when we we get into talking about this stuff right all right so let's move on to another interesting wide receiver you've touched on him a little bit here already he honestly is my favorite guy going into the season it's Cortland Sutton I don't know if I'm still high off of his 2019 season when he had those 72 grabs for over 1100 yards and those six touchdowns you know before the NFL kind of changed their rules 
with the wide receiver and cornerback, you know, like the wide receiver could go untouched like down the field now. It's easier. But before they changed the rules, it was always like that third season for wide receivers where they really, you know, be, you know broke onto the scene and made, you know, a difference, you know, made a statement. Um, and that's exactly what I feel like we were about to see last year. But then, you know, Sutton goes down in week one with that unfortunate ACL tear. I drafted him pretty early in my redraft last year, was not too happy about it. But you know what? Honestly, I think as an early seventh round pick, you know, not far behind Judy, I'm buying the dip, man, because he, again, like Judy, he has the size and the metrics to really even take over that wide receiver one. So like whoever's going to win this wide receiver one battle, whether it's Judy or Sutton, it doesn't matter to me, but I just see that I see Sutton's a little bit taller. He's six foot three, 215 pounds. You know, that's right where I really like my wide receivers. I really like that six foot two, six foot three. I like those big guys, man. And, and you know, people are drafting him this year to be maybe your wide receiver three. I just think that's crazy. Like, this guy is a legitimate, I think, on the verge of, you know, breaking out to be a wide receiver one. And you're going you're gonna to give him to me as my wide receiver three? Yes. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's great value, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago, he was one of the top receivers in the league. And that was only his second year. So... He goes down with the injury, everybody's writing him off, and that's usually how it goes, but I like what you said. I mean, if you're getting the same value with him as you're getting with Jerry Judy, well, first of all, do not take both of them. Pick one. Yeah, no. (laughs) you're You're not starting two Broncos receivers at any point at any time in any game. Hell no. I mean, there's no way. Like I, like we touched on earlier, only two games over 300 yards for both Locke and Teddy Bridgewater last year. So right. the production's not going to be there for both of them. I mean, unless they both score. But like we said, six TDs for Sutton in his best year, only three TDs for Judy last year. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hopefully, maybe, like we said with Bridgewater, he was able to have two receivers over 1,000 yards in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So we're hoping Bridgewater starts Judy and Sutton over 1,000, hopefully some more touchdowns. But – Definitely not. I, I don't. I don't see them. You know, getting any more TDs than what they had. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, four TDs, three TDs in the, throughout the whole year. So probably looking at the same kind of production there. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said about Sutton. The only thing about him is, I'm expecting him to have a slow start. Like I said, so he's somebody that you pick and you just got to be patient. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I like Sutton. I got him in our league. I got him in the in our little. Uh, GM keeper league so I've been hanging on to him hoping that he turns it out he's my wide receiver too I had him last year as my wide receiver too and I think like you said if you can get him wide receiver three that's great value and make the pick and now the more I talk to you about this and the more we go deeper into this I I think I'm only willing to take him now if he is my wide receiver three because what you were just saying we need Teddy Bridgewater to be the starter. And if the ACL isn't bothering him, like that's two big ifs like off the bat. So I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as high as I was like in a matter of three minutes here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing you, you gotta, if you want Sutton and and you want to take a guess on whether or not he's going to have the same kind of production as he had in 2019, you have to hope that if Drew Locke is the starter, that he makes a step forward this year. Right. And, and if he and doesn't, he was, you have to hope. And I was just going to say, that, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. He was Drew Locke's favorite target that, you know, in exactly. 2019. Like, as he was yours, he's 6'2", 220. So right. that's what Drew, Drew Locke likes to throw those deep balls. 
And when he lost Sutton, his completion percentage dipped because these other guys don't have the same kind of range. One guy that does talk like about said, him. zero drops. Talk about him. Tim Patrick. <laughs> there it is. Well, Tim Patrick was the step in when they didn't have Sutton, and he produced. I liked Tim Patrick. The dude's got some hands. Zero drops. He got no clout last year. Nobody, nobody gave him any shouts. Zero drops. People are talking about DeAndre Hopkins. People are talking about everybody else out there. Devontae Adams. You know the guy that had zero drops last year? The Broncos' third wide receiver, Tim Patrick. But, so, but my- if you're looking for a late, 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 late pick, Tim Patrick could be your guy. Yeah, but <laughs> just depending on I, how Sutton performs. I think I agree with you, but like there I don't know if there's enough room in the offense for him to be fantasy relevant. Like again, you've touched on KJ Hamler. Like we haven't really gone into him yet and I don't really have much on him. But I, I'm assuming because of the speed he possesses, he's going to be on the field a lot to take the top off that defense. And if anybody that has been listening to this podcast, they know for me, I am not a you know shorter wide receiver speed guy. They're all boomer bust. They're too volatile for me. Can't predict when the boom game's coming. I think they're better suited for best ball leagues because you know they put your your uh, highest optimal lineup in for when they do get those four catches for a hundred and you know seventy yards and two touchdowns. But then the next three weeks, <laughs> you know, you're getting two catches for you know thirty five yards. So. But from a fantasy perspective with Tim Patrick, I just think, you know, when they have Judy, Sutton, and then they got Hamler on there because they need the speed to take the top off the defense, I just don't see where Patrick gets worked in enough to roster him on your team. Yeah, no, I hear that 100%. I'm just saying if Sutton comes out and he struggles and he doesn't appear to be 100%, they're going to go to Patrick. So just he's a guy to keep an eye on. I see what you're saying. And that's actually a really good point, especially with the report that you said that he's still holding back on that ACL. So if he does get nicked up, you know, a lot of times it it won't even be the knee again. Like he'll pull a hamstring or something because he's favoring that leg. Like he's running awkward. So if that happens, what you're saying is we need to go in and pick up Tim Patrick off that waiver wire quick. Exactly. You watch the first couple of games, Cortland Sutton's out there. He has two catches for 30 yards. Game one, four catches for 60 yards. Game two. And he's kind of not really acclimated into that lineup and he's not getting a lot of targets and a lot of looks because I mean realistically the Broncos they don't have an amazing wide receiver core but they have mouths to feed these guys can all play KJ Hamler good in the slot like you said fast takes the top off the defense um but what I love about this this wide receiver core is I'm huge in potential I'm always in fantasy football going to take the guy that has the highest ceiling I'm never going to settle for the guy that I already know what I'm going to get. He's already been in the league for seven years. Like, why waste your time when you can have a big-time potential player? That's how you win, man. That's how you win these leagues. The other thing about Tim Patrick is he's one guy that the Broncos aren't going to be able to resign. So when you look at a lot of production from players, it's it turns out to be a lot of the times it happens in, like, a contract year for them. So Tim Patrick could be going into this year saying, this is my time. I need to continue to produce the way I did last year with my zero drops, 50 grabs, 742, six TDs. Like, he's a guy that he could be trying to make his money. He's not playing for the Broncos. The Broncos already know that they're not going to re-sign him for the next year, unless something happens to Sutton, God forbid. But right. I see Tim Patrick coming in. Just He's a guy to keep an eye on, pay attention to Sutton. But like we said, Sutton, good seventh-round value, same with Jerry Judy. 
Make your pick. Do not pick both of them. Right. Pick your poison. <laughs> and Joe, this is why I bring you on, man. I, I honestly, I didn't have anything to say about Tim Patrick. I think he's somebody that I might have, you know, let slip through the cracks. Uh, but definitely somebody I'm going to be starring, putting him in my watch column. And, you know, we're going to be keeping a close eye on Sutton if he gets that injury. But do you have any thoughts about the rookie that they got out of the sixth round from uh, Auburn, Seth Williams? Any, Seth Williams. there? I like Seth Williams. He's... He comes off as like a late career Plaxico Burris to me, just wow. kind of like an end zone fade grab guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not really a guy that's going to take the top off the defense. Um, he's quick, but he's more of like a go get him, just toss it up, go get him ball. That's why the Broncos drafted him because, mm-hmm. like we said, Drew Locke likes to just chuck it up and hopefully somebody catches it. And Seth Williams is a guy that goes up and gets it. So he made some crazy grabs for Auburn uh, in in some big games uh, last year. But I don't I don't necessarily see him surpassing any of these other guys on the depth chart. Like you said, six round pick. There's not a lot that the team probably thinks they're going to get out of him. Right. Seth Williams will probably get this. You'll see similar amount of production out of him this year as we saw with KJ Hamler last year. There are two totally different type players, but 30 grabs, 383 TDs, probably something around there, um, especially with Hamler back healthy this year. And Hamler missed a good portion of last year with injuries, but um, it's going to be hard to see Seth Williams mix into this group unless, God forbid, some injuries happen. But then it just gets into kind of like a tier battle where you get, say, Cortland Sutton goes down again, then Tim Patrick steps up. You're going to need to see a guy like, Judy or Hamler go down again or something just to get Seth Williams in there. But then again, he's a six-round pick. You're kind of taking a flyer on him. You'd be taking a fly, a huge flyer on him in fantasy if you picked him. But um, not not high on him. Yeah, he's not he's not somebody we're going to be drafting. Yeah. He, he's If anybody, like you just said, we'll be adding him off the waiver wire if some catastrophe happens on this Broncos yeah, team. Yeah, some catastrophe, but then the Broncos will be – I mean, you're not going to want anybody on the Broncos if there's a catastrophe going on. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right, well, let's move on to my real favorite guy on this team heading into the season. Um, But I'm not sure about the 2021 season. Just overall, I'm very excited to watch this guy get on the field. He's a real big bruiser. I like this guy a lot. And the guy I'm talking about is Javante Williams. I was waiting for this. Uh, His current... His current ADP sits as a mid-sixth-round pick. The team let go of Philip Lindsay, but with Melvin Gordon still in the mix, it makes Williams a hard grab so early in the draft as, the, as that mid-sixth-round pick. Now, if Williams starts week, ends up being the starter week one, I might change my tune here a little bit, a little bit uh, more, but it will certainly still be somewhat of a split regardless You know, with Gordon in there in the mix. Um, also keep in mind that the Broncos did trade up for him in the second round. So I think that's really telling you how much they do like him. And with the new GM, like I talked about earlier in place here, I think the loyalty with Gordon may be evaporating. So Gordon still ran a split workload when Lindsay was still in town. Probably I think at like a 60, 40 clip and Javante Williams, in my opinion is light years and I mean light years away, more talented than Philip Lindsay. So I'm excited about this guy. But, you know, from talking to other Broncos fans, some people are still really hot on Melvin Gordon. So, 
what are what are your opinions here? What's what's this split going to look like? Who should we be favoring? Should we be looking to go get more Lindsey? Because I mean, uh, not Lindsey, Javante Williams, because he's going earlier. He's going as the mid sixth round pick, whereas Melvin Gordon, you know, he's coming off the board late sixth round. So same round, but just later. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at both of these guys as having you know upside potential. Melvin Gordon was a good pick last year. Nine TDs, nine eighty six. Had a decent split with Philip Lindsey. Philip Lindsey in Houston. Stay away from that guy. Would not pick him. Stay away from anybody in Houston. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like Javante Williams just as much as you do. I'm not sold on him producing as being drafted as an RB2, which is probably where he's at right now. Um, right. I see an even split, for the most part, favoring Melvin Gordon to start the year out. And as the year progresses, you're going to hear a lot of people. Javante Williams is probably going to break off some big runs. Not probably not going to get a ton of run at the beginning of the year, and you're just going to have to kind of deal with what's happening. But uh, I like I like both of these guys. It's just going to be tough because you expect Javante Williams to come out and just be the guy, but that's not necessarily how it always goes. Like when you look at like a Najee Harris in Pittsburgh, he was drafted to be there to be that number one guy. They got let James Conner go. Broncos have one year left of Melvin Gordon. And they're probably going to try to get as much out of him as they can for that one year. Dude's making $4.5 million this year. They're going to want to see some production out of him. They're going to have him out on the field. And it's probably going to be in frustrating moments. And it's going to be in frustrating moments at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. Javante Williams could rush for 100 yards, and they're going to put Melvin Gordon in to punch it in the end zone. And they went out and they got Mike Boone from Minnesota, who's another guy that they really like that could potentially steal some of those red zone looks, and he'll probably get a few carries here and there. But a six-round pick for a rookie running back with loads of potential, not terrible. Same thing with Melvin Gordon, not terrible for him. Um, But you got to really pick your poison there because you never know how it's going to go, how they're going to play it. It could be they play the hot hand in one game, or it could just be they've decided that this is the split. We're just going to have to wait and see the way that they go with it. But like you said, they traded up for Javante Williams. They like the kid. He's a bruiser. His highlight tape is ridiculous. I think it was a game against Miami. He absolutely just stiff-armed this guy, fell backwards and launched him across the field and then broke like 16 more tackles and ran for a touchdown. So that's something that we're excited to see in Broncos town. But Melvin Gordon Gordon was pretty – he was pretty – you know, they really could count on him last year. So I, I wouldn't count him out yet. Yeah, and the other thing I think people are maybe overlooking here is Javante Williams split carries with Michael Carter at UNC yep. uh, both years. So I don't think it's realistic to think that Javante Williams is going to go in and just, you know, all of a sudden just take over this giant massive workload in the NFL. Yeah. Like, if anything, they're going to split the carries just like he, what he's used to in college and then gradually maybe get away from there. And for some reason... Javante Williams kind of gives me that Jonathan Taylor vibe, and I'm not comparing him to Jonathan Taylor like as a running back, but more in the sense where we saw Jonathan Taylor kind of start the season really slow, right? Exactly. Like people that drafted Taylor were pissed. Exactly. They're like, this guy's a bust, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, later on in the season, he just went on a freaking, uh, freaking heater, man. Like, he just went off. And, you know, that's actually perfect for, you know, you kind of want your back to get hot at the end of the year. You know, especially when you're going towards the playoffs and trying to make that that run towards that championship. But the thing is, in my opinion, if you're going to draft Javante Williams and he does have a similar trajectory like um, Jonathan Taylor had, 
you better have a solid team in place to hold you afloat because until Williams breaks out, you know, you're you're you're, you're not going to depend on this guy to be your running back too. Like you better go out and maybe draft somebody that people are sleeping on, like kind of like a James Conner or a Ronald Jones. Where like people aren't too hot on those guys, but those two guys might be able to hold you afloat for a couple of weeks until Javante Williams breaks out. Does like does that make sense? Like because otherwise you're falling behind. You can't plug this guy in. Javante Williams, I'm talking about. You can't plug him in as your RB two, drown in the first six weeks because then your fate, you know, your fate relies on the other people in your team. Like you need this guy to lose to move up. You need you know yep. so and so to win. Like. So if you're going to take Javante Williams, and I'm not against it, I just think you better make a conscious effort to draft some other running back that can hold you afloat for a few weeks, you know, and then you can dump later in the season. I'm with you 100% on that. Like I said, it's going to be Melvin Gordon off the bat unless something happens in training camp or he goes down with some kind of injury or something. He's still signed for one more year. Jonathan Taylor is is an amazing comparison. Because they're sim, they look similar. They're similar. I mean, Taylor's bigger than him, but I like the way. Well, the thing, real quick. Sorry, sorry. The thing, real quick, that I love about Javante Williams. Forgot to say this, is he? I think he broke his like bro- uh, broken tackle rate or something like that in college. Like I think he broke like seventy some tackles in college. Like he led like college football in that. And that is like the one stat, especially with running back, that translates the easiest to the NFL. So like this guy. I'm not worried about him like not being successful. It's just his workload, specifically talking about the 2021 fantasy season. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Yeah. But as a talent, he's a he's a freaking freak, man. Like I'm not. <laughs> that's not the question. <laughs> yeah, the right off the bat, Jonathan Taylor is a great comp. I like, you know, if you think about it that way, you need to, like you said, you need some running backs to kind of keep you afloat. You cannot depend on. Javante Williams right off the top. I'm curious in our league where he's going to go. I'm guaranteed he's going to be drafted in the first round of our keeper league, which is going to be interesting because that's what everybody likes to do when when you just draft those those rookie running backs and you're like, "Ah, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to have him for years, and he's just going to be my go-to. And then just listening to people complain about how he's not doing anything. But here's the thing about it. If Javante Williams is going in the sixth round and you don't feel confident that that's the right spot to take him at, let somebody else take him. And when he's not playing so hot and everybody's complaining about Melvin Gordon scoring touchdowns and still getting a lot of runs. Trade for him. Trade for him. Oh, yes. Now we are talking. I love this. It's exactly exactly what uh, happened. I saw in a lot of leagues I was in with Jonathan Taylor last year where You're right. After those first few weeks, he was ranked super high. Go get this guy. He's going to be the go-to. It's going to be amazing. And then everyone's like, Naheem Hines, are you kidding me with this guy? Right. It's going to be the same type yeah. of I, – I, I see the same type of thing happening here. I had so many trade offers to me with Jonathan Taylor in them, and, I mean, I didn't take any of them because they were just absurd in the return that they were looking for. But that's the thing is if you can have the confidence in yourself to make a trade for him if you really want him, you just got to wait. And if he falls even farther in the draft, if sixth round isn't where he's at, if he's still in there a couple rounds after, which he definitely won't be, nab him. But you just got to be patient. And in a lot of fantasy things, you just got to be patient. That is the goddamn truth. I love that idea. Oh, my God. Like, that is actually what I'm going to do. Now I'm passing on Javante Williams on purpose in a redraft league. And I'm hoping he doesn't do dog shit for the first six <laughs> weeks. And we can, go, we can go make a trade for him. That's it. That's the play, man. That's, I mean, you couldn't have said that any better at all. Nice. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> we, as a Broncos fan, I hope he's amazing at the beginning of the year and he has a good split. But the expectation from what it seems from the fantasy world is that he's going to come in and he's going to be comparable to the numbers that Najee Harris is getting or some of those other top rookie guys. He's not going to have 25 carries for 120 yards and two TDs every game. It's just not how it's going to go. I mean, he's probably going to get 10-11 first couple games, and they're just going to work him in a little bit slower. Because realistically, is this Broncos team going to go to the Super Bowl? Probably not. So they're really looking at these players, and they want to develop them. So they're not just going to throw them into the fire right away. That's why you have guys like Melvin Gordon that can help bridge that gap. And that's why you, you bring in other guys like Mike Boone that are fallback options. And not to mention they have Royce Freeman there still last year, his deal. So who knows? Royce Freeman, emergency QB, he might step We're in. We're still holding out hope on Royce Freeman, <laughs> the Oregon Duck that never panned out. Um, yeah, but I think those are all fantastic points. Just to hit on Gorvin real quick before we switch over here to the tight end. I just, you know, I, again, I've been in Twitter arguments about, you know, Jamonte Williams versus Melvin Gordon. There's a lot of Melvin Gordon truthers still out there. I just want nothing to do with him. He's just one of those guys... <laughs> that like pisses me off for no reason. And I, it's just a gut feeling I have. I just think he, if he, I don't think he necessarily has hit his down slope of his career yet, but I just have a feeling like this is the year where we start to see the, you know, the other side of it. And I just think there's better players available to grab maybe in that sixth round. Like I was, I was just taking a look before we jumped on this. There's da- like Damian Harris, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are going in that round. You know, if you're if you're a person that waits a little later on your quarterback, Russell Wilson is still there in the sixth round. Or Javante Williams, who we're talking about. Like, I just think there's a lot better options. And like I said earlier, I'm more of a guy that likes to go get potential over what we know we're going to get with Gordon. We know he's probably not going to break a, a thousand rushing yards. And, you know, he'll have a handful of touchdowns in there. Like, I know that's what I'm getting. I don't want that. I like I like to be stimulated, Joe. <laughs> I need the potential. I need to, I need to say to everybody at the end of the year, I told you so, and that's why I got this guy. Well, look at it this way. So I'm officially out on Gordon. I mean, I, look at it this way. His cap is 986 and 9 TDs. His absolute cap. Right. And if Javante Williams is going to get worked in more, those numbers are going to drop especially with how right. high the Broncos and are. And they're going to want to see him produce a little bit more as the year goes on. So maybe at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, you draft Melvin Gordon. And if somebody needs a running back and you want, you know, RB2 flex or whatever, you draft Melvin Gordon. He has a good couple games and everybody's low on Javante Williams. You trade away Melvin Gordon. You're like, wow, look at this guy's numbers. Isn't he having a great year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, flip I feel it around. Like that one's going to be a little bit harder to, to pull over people. People oh, absolutely. Know, like, I know what you're doing with, with Melvin. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's just a thought. All right. So, real, real good stuff on the running back backfield there. But let's close it out here with the tight end. There's one I want to get deep into, and obviously that's Noah Fant. And then the other one I'm hoping you can kind of touch on a bit because I kind of like him, but I haven't done enough research on him. I was kind of hoping you could pull me out there. But Noah Fant, he's an early seventh round pick. Um, so, last year he finished at the <laughs> – so the Broncos Twice. Broncos lineup. All right, know, Broncos lineup. There. Sixth and seventh round. Take your pick. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. But I actually think this is a little high for a tight end because last year he finished as a tight end 12 overall. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything because the tight end position in fantasy, unless you have Darren Waller, George Kittle, or um, Travis Kelsey, they're all the point difference is, is minimal. And just to put that in perspective, I think the number three tight end overall was Robert Tanyan from the Packers. Um, 
and you know, if we go all the way down the fan at 12, the, the difference between the points was only 32 points. Like as, as compared to, you know, Waller and Kelsey who had, I think almost like a hundred points more. Well, that's the thing with tight ends. So, if, like you said, if you don't have one of those top, honestly, on to me, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, you just wait on a tight end and you're only getting Travis Kelsey if you're taking him in the first round, but you like Darren Waller, but he's going to go high also. Well, Waller, well, my, my point with Waller was on the pod yesterday was Waller is the cheapest of the two of the other two, but then the other two Kelsey and uh, Kittle, you can get Waller at the end of the third round. And Waller's actually like the only like legitimate tall target on that team. That's taken, you know, all the receptions. So, my point with that was that if he's the guy and he actually got like 25 targets in the end zone last year and he only came down with six of them, my point was that his touchdown, his touchdowns are going to go up this year. He only came down with six of 25 in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, the difference with that for this year for them is just going to see what happens with Ruggs if he, you know, produces and they let him go out on the outside and makes plays. The boomer bus guy. Exactly. You, you view him similarly as you view um, what's the dude on the Ravens. Oh, Hollywood Brown. He, yeah, same kind of player. Hollywood. <laughs> Love the nickname. Didn't Has never done anything in the NFL. But with the, t- <laughs> with the tight ends, to me, if you don't have Kelsey, I don't know if you can even trust George Kittle coming off that big injury. New quarterback. You don't know how well, that's going to play for them this year. So Right, but let me just debunk your Kelsey thing real quick. Kelsey's coming off a pinnacle year. Like, if his whole career, he hit highest yardage, highest touchdowns. There's really, like, if you look at it, the rest of his career... I don't think he's going to like keep going up at the age of 32. Like there's only room for him to come down. So I think Kelsey's severely overrated in this year's draft. People are taking him in the first round, man. Interesting. Interesting. I, yeah, it's possible, but I think to expect but that ki- similar but, amount of production out of him is definitely a possibility. He's not, he's got yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I just think, I just thought the cheapest is Waller. And I think he has the most potential to do that, but let's, let's kick it back here to, to Noah yeah. Fant for a second. So he finished last year with 62 grabs, 673 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I just, yeah, I just think it's way too early to take a to take a tight end. You know, especially with the with the barren wasteland of the tight ends, there's not that much of a difference. I think an early seventh round pick is is way too early. If you don't have your tight end by this point in the draft, you can continue to wait. You can get like an Adam Troutman later, take a gamble on him. You could take one of the Patriots tight ends. Um, Mo Alley Cox. You know, again, Mo Alley Cox is another good one. But I'm typically in the boat where I do wait for my tight end. It's always the weakest spot on my team, always, every single year. Um, and then I'm in a pretty competitive redraft league. I won, not to brag, but I won three <laughs> championships in the last five years. And every single year, I've had a shit tight end. And I stream them. I just stream them based off matchups. So if you're one of those guys, I just think it's it's silly to go out and get fan. Like he, I think he has more of a popular name at this point. People people you know like him. I I, I really don't know why. He's just another guy that is not going to really do much. And I think a seventh round picks early. People like him because he had a couple big games. So I mean, you look at his production. Like I said earlier in the show, 93 targets. Targets don't equal fantasy points. He needs a quarterback that can get him the ball. So, they have, like we, we said earlier in the show, they have a lot of mouths to feed. Noah Fant's just another one of those guys that is going to be up and down the entire season. He's not going to be consistent. He's not going to be a guy that you can count on in that tight end position week in and week out, which is why you stream them the way that you said to do it. So, I'm with mm-hmm. you there. Sixth round, too high. I'm waiting on tight ends. Noah Fant. 
it's it's interesting because in my head I'm like, wait, I'm gonna have all these Broncos on my roster. No way, like, is this is this happening to me? Like, oh, like, I'm having like a nightmare right now. Well, we keep saying <laughs> we keep saying pick your poison, but it's almost like we're only gonna come away with one Bronco on the entire roster because they're all going in the sixth and seventh round. Yeah, seems that way. So, so like, take your pick. Do you want Cortland so like, Sutton? Pick your poison over the whole team. Yeah, and <laughs> really. and then you just hope that your guy scores a touchdown in that in in you know yeah. in that game, but. No offense. Well, I like I like no fan. I like no fan on the roster. I like him as a player. I think the current draft position for him is too high. Um, another guy that I'm I'm not picking unless he's there later. Yeah, I just the one thing about Fant that kind of interests me is with again Bridgewater. If he is the quarterback and how conservative he is, Fant could be a, like a common checkdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. So PPR. that's one thing that. Right, and that's one thing that I'm interested in. Again, it's just I'm I'm not willing to waste an early seventh or late sixth round pick on a tight end. That that might happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Especially in a keeper league like ours, where I don't have a pick until the third round. I am not picking Noah Fant <laughs> in the sixth round. So right. And how about the other tight end, Albert O? Do you know anything about this guy? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I I think he comes out as more of a blocking tight end the broncos really beefed okay. up their offensive line was one of the i mean maybe not one of the best but they definitely produced a lot better last year than they had in previous years garrett Bowles took a huge step forward last year so he could just be another guy that steals a couple tds here and there definitely not a guy that's going to come in and even put up similar numbers to what noah fant had last year and the year before mm-hmm. so unless something happens to noah fant Alberto, I'm not even gonna try to Aguana bomb. Some, I think that's how you say it. He, uh, yeah, there you he's go. not a guy that I'm even targeting. Just another guy similar to, you know, maybe not even Tim Patrick, but I don't even know if he's a guy that's yeah. worthy of being on your watch list. So, because if no offense, only pro- if no offense, only getting 62, 673 in a good in a good year, Alberto, he's definitely gonna be way down the pecking order if anything happens to fan. So, right. I was just taking a look at his metrics. I haven't like, again, I haven't really dove into him, but he's just enormous. Six foot six, two fifty eight. I mean, Red he, zone. he ran a four point four point four nine forty yard dash at that size. It's just insane. So high point. I, know, I thought I'd ask about it. High but point, yeah, high point red zone guy. You could see them maybe doing a two tight end set when they get down there and just tossing them up to him. So that's probably what they got him for. Yeah, his arm length is in the 86 percentile, so he's ranging. If you're too, so. if you're trying to steal, if you're trying to get a six points in a game, and maybe if you play PPR, one catch for one yard and a touchdown, and you're just taking a flyer in there, you might as well <laughs> toss him in there if you're really thinking oh, about man. it. But we don't we don't like touch <laughs> we don't like touchdown dependent people here on this exactly. podcast either. I, yeah, I'm not a. It's, <laughs> I hate. It's a tough game to play. It's similar to um, a guy like. I want to say Nicole Hardman. He's going two catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. And the next game, he's going one catch for seven yards. So not yeah, touchdown dependent. I, I see Albert L being a, a TD dependent kind of guy for sure. All right. Well, great stuff again on the tight end department. Unless if you, Joe, have anything else that I might have missed on. We're, I think we're, we're nearing the end here of the show. I would just say stream Broncos D when they have a good matchup. Don't draft them. You know, just if they're on the wire and you can get them up against uh, a crappy lineup, get them. But if they're playing the Chiefs, do not play them. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, I, I I might be doing my listeners a disservice. I never talk about kickers or defenses because I just hate them in general. <laughs> but I'll never, you know, I'll never get rid of them in a in a redraft league. But yeah, with Vic, as long as Vic Fangio is the head coach, you know that defense is going to be stout. Um, they have to be in the top ten for defense for sure. I just think it's hard to find a solid defense, and there always seems to be a new one every single year that nobody saw coming. Yep. So. But yeah, Broncos solid defense. Those are two. Those are two positions we talked about for streaming. Stream the Broncos defense when you can. If no offense there, if not, stream a tight end. So, rest of the lineup, I think we covered it all. So, yeah. if you're picking a Bronco, unless, unless you want to take a, if you're picking a Bronco, it's going to be in the sixth or seventh round, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And unless if you want to take. Uh, the Broncos kicker because they have that altitude as well. So you can hit you can hit a little bit of a further kick. Well, that's the thing. Drew Locke's got to get the ball at least to the opposing 40. But then you're getting some 50-yarders. So not, not you like go. in your league if you're losing points for kicks, then you're taking a chance. I think this is honestly the first episode where I've discussed kicker and, and defense. So congratulations. <laughs> well, we tossed them in at the end. So we got to cover the whole thing. <laughs> All right, well, that's our show for today. I want to thank Joe for coming on the pod and really breaking down the fantasy value of these Denver Broncos. Again, you can follow him on Twitter. Actually, I don't think I plugged your Twitter account in the beginning here. You can follow him on Twitter at average underscore Jose, but that's spelled J-O, the number five E. Am I saying that right? Yeah, creativity, baby. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Joe, that was a great episode to close out the AFC, and hopefully we can have you on sometime in the future, man. I I really, really enjoyed this Bronco episode. It was a lot of fun. You really opened my eyes to some stuff. Yeah, man, anytime. I uh, enjoy talking to you. Cool, man. Uh, And we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Hopefully have you on again soon. Sure, Dave. See you.